Hello, this is Alexander Siddig, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod, and don't tune out. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to another marvellous edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig McKenzie and today we are here to talk about the paradoxically recent yet upcoming opening to the new Marvel TV series The Inhumans, recently given a limited run in IMAX theatres and coming soon to ABC. And coming live straight from the moon is Chris. Hello, is my signal getting there from the moon? It seems like there's a slight satellite delay which could get annoying for listeners. Craig, I think there's a slight delay. <laughs> yeah, I think this bit is getting... Yes, you're right. Already. It's going to get really annoying for everyone. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, not- no, I'm on coffee, not tea. Okay, this the, yeah, that bit didn't quite work, but uh, welcome. Welcome. Hello. 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 So, how are you? Great to be here. Moon... Moon, uh, not bad, thanks. Not bad. Not bad. Moon you know, I'm enjoying the moon, the low gravity. I, I, I weigh a lot less up here, so so that's great. Maybe I should visit. I've been meaning to lose a few pounds. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not in the pub for once. As you know, pounds no are comment. Currency. You're you're the boss. Yeah. I don't want to get fired. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't like to lose that sweet paycheck. I don't like. Anyway, uh, speaking of. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of losing pounds, we both spent money on watching Inhumans, Marvel's latest television project, in the big on the big screen, the biggest screen, the IMAX screen, um, and it was an experience. I suppose it was it was something to watch. It was definitely something to watch. It, it was something to watch. It was uh, on the big screen. It was one of the emptiest IMAX screens I have been in in a long time. It wasn't that we went at some obscure time in the morning, but I think there was maybe eight of us in there. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty large screen in there. I don't know how many seats it is, but yeah, it might have been less well attended than Independence Day 2's midnight screening, and that's that was pretty badly attended. <laughs> I was, of course, one of them, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was pretty dead. Although, to be fair, Cineworld, our local cinema, for for those who don't know, um, could have actually shown a trailer at some point prior to its release. That might have boosted, you know, some kind of interest, might have created some some anticipation. Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, quite a few of the people that I spoke to in the I said, oh, what, you know, are you doing anything tonight or whatever? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go and see the Inhumans on, on IMAX. They went, the what? And, you know, I then spent about five minutes explaining everything to them. And it's one of those ones that hasn't seemed to have been advertised very well. There was a little bit of a flurry around about Comic-Con when they did the trailer and they did a little sort of round panel type thing and released a little bit of footage, but... It's not had that much of a buzz about it. It's it's not got people excited. There's more people talking about four and things that are a lot further off 
uh, Defenders had quite a big buzz before it came out, whereas this seems to be on the quiet. I don't know whether it's because there doesn't seem to be a big UK distributor for it, for TV, or if there is someone that's going to have it on TV, they're keeping it very quiet up until uh, <laughs> yeah. up until now. Well, the thing about it is, it's funny you mentioned Defenders, because that's one thing I did see a trailer for in the cinema, but I didn't see the trailer for the thing yeah. that was appearing in the cinema. In the cinema, you know, and I think um, if you'd slapped the Marvel logo on it, uh, obviously, as they would have for a trailer, a cinematic trailer for something that's going to be in cinemas for like a week or two, um, people might have went to see it because you know Marvel creates its own buzz in that sense. You know, oh, it's a Marvel thing. Better go watch this. Don't let it miss anything. Um, but no, no marketing yeah. whatsoever. Even my friends that are sort of casual uh, Marvel fans didn't really know much about it. So it was uh, it was one of those. It's um, I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't uh, over the top about it when I came out. It was it's one of those difficult ones to review and talk about where it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was just a bit. Yeah, yeah I find it quite tough to Left review. Left me feeling a bit damp, like the weather when I came out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I found it quite tough to review myself. Um, I ended up getting it done, but the the issue with it was I wasn't sure whether to treat it like a film or a TV episode, and ultimately I treated it like a TV episode because that's what it is. And yeah, I was I was I was pretty underwhelmed because you know it didn't do anything to kind of leap out at me and justify its existence. But I also have to bear in mind that it is a TV show, and anybody expecting you know Age of Ultron type spectacle just ain't going to get it. But then some kind of spectacle would have been nice. You know, not expecting Age of, Age of Ultron levels of, of stuff, but, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. managed to manage to deliver an exciting action scene or two now and again, and, you know, they you've got to imagine the budgets has to be pretty similar. The, this may have even had more with it, the IMAX collaboration. Who knows? It has a feeling that they've spent money on uh, things like sets, some of the costume and stuff. Uh, definitely, there's, there are odd bits of CGI that actually look quite neat in this. Uh, that aren't too clunky. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, it would have been good for them to have put a big set piece, I suppose, um, in the opening couple of episodes because they knew it was getting the cinematic release. But whether that was a late addition or that was always the plan to put the first two episodes on the big screen, I don't know. Yeah, um, it did change pretty heavily. It, it was on Marvel's film slate for, for quite a while. Um, but then they took it off and decided to replace it with a TV show, which I thought would have been more interesting because, you know, I think superhero stories generally work better on television because you just have more time. But um, it doesn't seem like they've, they've risen to that challenge too much. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it, it seems from the first couple of episodes that they're a little bit, um, a little bit behind on that. But whether across the eight episodes it is going to build up and it is going to get more intense in there I I don't know it has the chance to do that I I don't know whether this is completely new for telly if they've adapted what they were planning for film or not Um, I'd I'd be really interested to know at what point all these processes have sort of taken out and who's dropped in and dropped out along the way to get in it here yeah how did this come to be it would be interesting um so I think we've said about all we can say without launching into spoiler territory. So, I mean, I'm ready to um, to cross the threshold 
if you are. I, I thought we were going to grab a hold of this uh, massive dog to transport us into the uh, spoiler area. <laughs> There's not a sound effect for that. I suppose I could put well, some just barking. be a big dog going. <laughs> or I could use that sound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rather like the Inhumans, we ran out of a sound effects budget partway through the recording of this episode. <laughs> Stay with us, listeners. We're professional. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Do my kidding. Uh, there are no listeners. Only decaf coffee today. <laughs> okay. There are so, no listeners, yeah. Yeah. So shall we teleport to the spoiler section then? Let's go for it. Okay, we're now safe. Uh, we're free and clear to speak freely and clearly. So the story um, essentially boils down to a familial feud, in a way, because what you've got is Maximus, played by... Now, apologies, I'm about to butcher the guy's name, but Iwan Rion? I don't know. He was in Game of Thrones. Just like everyone else in Hollywood, pretty much. Uh, so, Maximus wants to... He wants to move all the Inhumans, who have been living on the moon for quite some time, to Earth. And his brother, Black Bolt, played by Anson Mount, does not... We assume, because he can't speak. So, um, Maximus stages a, a coup, who uh, and and then stuff happens. Um, on the surface, it's not a bad story. I mean, the idea of uh, the idea of a coup that uh, Black Bolt doesn't see coming is very Shakespearean. It's you know very Julius Caesar. He there's betrayal just obviously in front of him, and and he can't see it. Um, but the the execution of it was quite sedate and underwhelming. I thought. Yeah, the coup. You you get the hint that uh, Maximus is displeased with the way the system's working. You get one speech above a crowd for the mines. I'm presuming the entrance to the mines or wherever they are. Uh, you know, after the the two kids get the, go through the ritual. And then the next thing you know, the the coup's happened. It's, it's already happened, you know. Uh, the guards are all on his side, uh, and that's it. Um, so it is very... When when the coup does take place, it's very quick and rapid. You can imagine, uh, I'm presuming it's been brewing for years, yeah. is the impression that I'm, I think we're supposed to get. And he's obviously had help from people on Earth. Um, where is the interesting part is who yeah. who's he been collaborating with on Earth? You know, because it sounds like he's he's sabotaged that that first um, the opening scenes that you get um, in Hawaii. He's obviously sabotaged that attempt. He's set them up on I'm purpose, go you know, in order Hydra. to lure lure oh. the, my weight. Yeah. It's always Hydra. I'm going to go with. It's Hydra. always Hydra. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's... Okay, why not? Let's go behind yeah. her. And the thing is, I found the background stuff to be the most interesting. You know, the, um, I mentioned in my review that the Inhumans is always kind of grand in scale in the sense of, you know, it's a very kind of large, dysfunctional royal family. And so there's that kind of, there's that divide. So you see their, you see their issues as being much grander than 
the issues we would have, but they're still relatable because they're still a family. So what you've got is essentially a brother who's not pleased with his well with his brother and his actions and decides to do something about it, but uh, on the grand scale it affects an entire community or an entire society of people. And I really liked the the caste system or caste system that uh, that was in place because there's something there. You know, you've got this idea that we're stuck on the moon. Um, so there has to be an upper class and there has to be a labour class. Fine. But you don't really get that sense of unrest that's supposed to be there. You're just told it exists without actually having any exploration of it. And the idea that people who go through pterogenesis, aka getting their powers uh, through breathing in some smoke, um, the idea that the people that maybe get crappy powers or don't get powers at all, it's unclear... Uh, are considered lesser in society, so therefore put to work in the mount- the mines. So that bit is rife for exploration, but they don't even try, I don't think. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear more about that or see more about that. It does it does appear that it's like if they deem that your powers are a bit rubbish or they're not very visible, then they go right to the mines. <laughs> you know, we have no <laughs> use of you up here. Um it, it it would be interesting to sort of explore that if that's that's the sort of gateway out the mines. It doesn't matter if you come from you know if your mum and dad are both miners, but if you come out and you've you know grown a tail, then <laughs> out you go. Or is it you've have grown a useful appendage like wings? I I don't know. Are some powers greater than others? Or uh, it, it seems a bit weird. I mean, they talk about this um, genetic council quite a bit, but I don't think we've seen them up until now. No, it's clear they'll become important in later episodes. Or if we have seen members of that council, yeah, yes, yes. Um, it, it seems that they're gonna they're gonna crop up more. Yeah, and yeah, all that's interesting. And for a TV show, fair enough. It's like it's only the first two episodes, but so there, you don't necessarily need to pay stuff off. But you think you would have to certainly outline those conflicts in the first couple of episodes. So you know you would need to have ideally a character who is in that side of society who isn't, you know, one of the privileged elite and and get the impression that, I mean, just build up the complexity. You know, what you've got is uh, the royal family who are essentially ignorant to the problems that are being faced below them and um, I guess the people lower in society who follow their orders but don't like it. Uh, there's, you know, there's all that. It, it, it's all stated in dialogue more or less but also still not really there and the suggestion that Maximus is only kept out of the mines because he's brother to the king uh, you think that would stir up resentment more than anything else yeah you would you would think that they would and you do get the hint that people are why you know you're not one of us and you're not yeah. one of them either uh, you do get some of that in there but I suppose he says the right things to keep them inspired and on his side and and wanting to change. I do think this, you know, I've only seen two episodes of it, so it's hard to kind of say, but I do think if we had had a protagonist maybe from that side, um, one of the two going through perigenesis, perhaps even the one, that, the, the, the girl that got her wings, if you saw some of the opening from their point of view, yeah. you know, have them being up at the, the palace because they're about to go through the ceremony overhearing conversation and not so much it, it would explain the system a little bit better it would explain what's going up there a little bit better and then you can move further away from them perhaps um but 
it would have been a good grounds I view because I think opening with the family and the privilege around the family pretty much, you know, obviously you've got the scene at the beginning in Hawaii, but opening with that, you don't really get an idea of what it's like for the rest of them on the moon. Yeah. So it would be interesting to have started from that ground level rather than up the top. Yeah, and I found the introduction to Medusa and Black Bolt to be a bit sanctimonious. You know, you've got, she's like, can you remember a time where we weren't the royals or we weren't king and queen? It's like, remember a time when our lives were easier than they are now? It's like, ah, my heart bleeds for royalty, you know, (laughs) society. (laughs) You don't understand our problems. Sometimes our servants have to take days off, you know. (laughs) Um. So there is yeah. that, but again, it doesn't um, it doesn't play up the privilege versus lack of privilege conflict. So you're not it's it's not abundantly clear that there is one, and maybe there is, and maybe it will come forth in later episodes. And I suppose Maximus does represent the other side of it, but again, he is privileged. You know, if he just kept his mouth shut, he could have lived a pretty happy life without having to worry about anyone else. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. It does make me wonder about his motivations so much. And I think because we haven't seen, and possibly there will be flashbacks and other bits and pieces from his point of view, I'm guessing, explain a lot of his decisions later on. But, like you say, if he just kept his mouth shut and got on with it, he is living the life of privilege. He is living the life that his genetics were not supposed to give him, um, if that's what his argument is. Yeah. You know, he is up there in the castle, he is in a privileged position, so yeah. why is he rebelling against it? Why does he have this hate for the earth that he you know, he wants to invade? Yeah. You know, it does seem a bit strange. It's not really adequately explained as such, but um I don't know. And it's possible that the rest of the episodes will flesh it out in a way that makes sense, although they haven't really built it on a strong foundation, unfortunately. Uh, but I did like um, Maximus. The actor does a good job. He's probably the best actor of the bunch. He's the most in tune with who his character is, I think. You know, he, he does the best with the material, uh, whereas others, not quite so much. He's very theatrical in his um, performance. I mean, in particular, at the end of episode two, where he's standing on the big balcony giving his speech. Very theatrical. It could almost be taken from a piece of theatre. Like you were saying, when you're comparing it to sort of Julius Caesar and the likes, that uh, it's a very commanding, very good performance that he gives. And I'm interested in seeing where, he, where it sort of goes in the, in the backing to the character, because I think it will explain a little bit more. Um, it is only eight episodes, but I think they seem to have the space to do it. So, although at least they've done it for other characters. So, yeah, I, I, I do think he's one of the better ones that we've seen performance-wise so far. Yeah. And the other side of the coin was his brother, Black Bolt. What did you think of him? It's a tough, it's a tough job for an actor. You know, here's a character who doesn't speak. Uh, but you have to get across his, his emotions. And I think that Anson Mount does a really good job throughout. I mean, some of the execution of what he had to do wasn't very well done, so I kind of blame the direction more than his performance. But it was always pretty clear by the way he would look at someone or his facial expression or his body language what Black Bolt might be thinking 
and the, how he was reacting to things. I thought he, he did a good job. And you got a sense of his relationship with Medusa, even though he never speak, spoke to her, you know, and it was it was a good good performance. Yeah, I mean, I think he did uh, a pretty good job of what he was given. I mean, it's, it's difficult, like you say, without language to convey emotion. It's also very difficult to play a king, someone who's supposed to be reserved, very sort of insular, not showing their feelings on the surface and just giving the orders. To then also not to be able to speak then makes it even more difficult to try and convey because if he stands there very silent and very sullen, everyone goes, well, I've got no idea what he's thinking. He's just just standing there. Um, Whereas if he's then going over the top, very melodramatic to show emotion, then it goes far too far the other direction. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's... He's sort of played. He's played it pretty well. I think he's been given some tough things to do, and what we've seen him do so far, he starts as very commanding, but then the scenes in what I'm assuming when it's all separated out will be episode two of him on Earth. Yeah. Um, he becomes almost like a comic relief character as part of this. I know there's the odd bits of action where he's being a bit of a badass and sort of breaking copper's hands and, and destroying cars when he when he gets punched in the back. And briskly but, jogging away from danger. Br- briskly jogging away from danger, <laughs> looking confused at what a mobile phone is, despite the fact he's got the equivalent strapped to his wrist that he can bend and twist his will. <laughs> the, the, I'm just going to walk in and, and I'm going to take the suit and I'm going to walk out the other door. Uh, it's very, yeah, it's, it's a comical thing. And I don't know if that's what they were going for in the first place, but you kind of think, well, this is supposed to be the king. Maybe that's no wonder that the, the peasants are revolting. Uh, they're going, the guy's an idiot. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, he, has no, he has no grip on reality whatsoever. Do you know, he keeps walking in here and he doesn't pay for anything. It's, <laughs> He doesn't know how his phone works, or, or I suppose he's never had to answer a phone, has he? He, he would destroy it when he answered. <laughs> it's, um, I, I, I don't know. It just, part of it seemed to me like this is meant to be the guy that's got his, his, his finger on the pulse, he's in control up there, he knows all about Earth and everything because, let's face it, we're his neighbours and he's got to keep an eye on that situation. And then he goes down there and it seems like, well, this is very strange. This, 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 what do they call this? A city. Hmm. Don't know. I, I don't know if it needs some sort of uh, narration from Black Bolt so that we can explain at that point what he's thinking, or if he's going, do you know how I'll get on here? I'll play the idiot. Everyone will love me, <laughs> and I'll just walk off, and it'll be fine. Uh, don't get me wrong, I've had a bit of a shaky entrance by standing in the middle of the freeway. However, I, <laughs> I could get over this. I will get myself a snappy suit and get out of here. Um, I don't know. It just seemed a bit... A bit mixed, but like you say, it's it's not it's not his fault. It's what he's been given. Yeah, I just it to me it confused me a little bit, and I'm hoping to see that commanding, powerful Black Bolt come back when we see them. I, I presume trying to retake the throne at some point. I look forward to to <laughs> sort of seeing him uh, properly in action because you know what he's managed to do so far has been very impressive, even if it has been sort of haphazard and just sort of self defence. 
Yeah, it's almost a mistake to isolate him on Earth uh, as well, you know, because up to that point you've got Medusa there to translate his sign language or his, his wishes and, and whatever else. Um, as soon as he gets to Earth, he's on his own, so you kind of you have a limited idea of what he's thinking. But you know, the the fish out of water stuff doesn't really work. So I think it would have been better if he'd been stuck with Medusa on Earth, so that she could kind of be the sounding board for his stuff. Um, uh, they'll reunite pretty quickly, I would imagine. But, you know, having him on his own, I get the idea that it's supposed to be isolate them and they have to make their way back together. But, you know, pairing them up would have been fine. Or pairing one or two of them up would have been fine. Yeah, sure. Well, they basically split all of them up. So it's yeah. to show that they're, they're individually quite powerful or a force to be reckoned with. So when they all unite and if they manage to, you know, retake the throne, then you sort of see why, you know. Yeah, um, but the closest analog to the Earth stuff versus the Atalan stuff is probably the first Thor film. You know where uh, you see Asgard and it works a certain way, and then Thor winds up on Earth and he's like, "Oh, you silly humans!" You know, and th- that's essentially the the thing. You know, Thor doesn't quite understand what it's like to be on Earth, and human doesn't get the rules. And they're trying to do a similar thing with Black Bolt, but I mean, I don't like the first Thor film, but it's almost. Um, it's it's not done as well here as it is there. No, no, it, it does seem the like you say it is the fish out of water thing, but it it seems like if he's the king and if they've got they've got access to all the news footage and everything you've seen it on in the first episode they've got access to pretty much all the the information that they need. So would they really be that dumbfounded by Earth when they arrive? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. You, you wouldn't think so. I mean, they've had the ability to visit whenever they want. Yeah. You know, with imp- you know, you know, they can just in perpetuity dro- drop themselves wherever they want and have a little look about. Yeah. So, it it seems a bit odd to to have them in that fish out of water situation. It's not like Thor, who's come from Asgard, which is planets away. This is people that have got access to. To everything. I mean, I don't imagine Thor was sitting there watching uh, daytime TV before he came <laughs> over to Earth. So it it, it 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 does and it doesn't work at the same time. You're like, it is, it's funny to watch, but I don't know if that's what they were going for in the first place. Yeah. And if it is, is it a pro- is this going to sort of continue in a way? It will be in in the future episodes. You'll see if it's got more comedic beats than that. But that's what I took from it. I didn't take it as being. There is the action in there, but it's that this is just because he, you know, he can't communicate with them, and he can't, um, he can't hate anyone at the moment. I was expecting when he did the signing in the police station, I was expecting someone to suddenly recognise and go, "Oh, it's you know, international sign language," or <laughs> is, and then suddenly a channel of communication would be open yeah. there, but it. It didn't seem so. Maybe he speaks in human sign language, which is different to human sign language. Conveniently also known as ISL, so, you know, it's very confusing on both fronts. (laughs) (laughs) I found it really interesting that they didn't reveal that Black Bolt's mute until pretty late on. Um, Obviously, he doesn't speak for the first, I don't know, 40 minutes or something like that. Or it's not revealed why he doesn't speak for at least the first 40 minutes. But they just kind of go about as if it's a normal thing. But it seems, not to me, it doesn't seem odd to me because I know the reason. But 
for anybody who doesn't, I can't imagine to be like, what's going on? Why isn't he speaking? You know, like everyone else is. And um, I, I don't really have much more to say about that. I just think it was interesting that yeah, they I, chose to leave it so long. I, I do agree with you that if someone goes into this blind to the comics or the characters at all, they're going to wonder why he's not speaking. And I suppose you do then get, I'm doing uh, sign language. So, yeah, it, it's, they don't know it's power related, but they do know that he can't speak. Yeah. I suppose by part way through. So, you know, it's, yeah, there is a bit of assumed knowledge, but it's getting more like that in Marvel's content. There is a lot of things that they drop in now, which are essentially for fans of the comics or fans of previous sort of cartoons and, uh, you know, animated shows that a lot won't get. It, it seems like there is a massive rush to Google now after a lot of Marvel films to find out, oh, what was that reference about? I know it must have been a reference to something. Um, and the Inhumans are not as well known, though they have they do seem to have come to the fore more in the comics recently. Uh, you know, they were a big part of the sort of Civil War, the recent Civil War storyline and everything, so you'd assume a lot more people will be aware of them. Yeah, although the comic audience is a very small percentage of even the television audience, which is an even smaller percentage of the you know the film audience. Oh, so yeah. the the kind of assumption that people know these characters should never be made, but I think there's a there's a bit of a difference between you know chucking in a bit of a reference here and there and then you know and leaving out something fundamental to the character for so long. I mean, I think it was quite interesting that they were doing that and they were just being like essentially leaving people to wonder why this character was mute because um, obviously he's a king so you know a part of being a king is having your wishes be known uh, and probably dealing with the public and all that stuff which is stuff that he really can't do um, but it's just quite awkwardly staged and then the reveal of the fact that his voice is killer to you know to, to anyone around him is lethal to anyone around him uh, was unintentionally hilarious, you know, where he's sitting in front of his parents and yelled why, and then knocked them back into a wall. I know it was supposed to be dramatic and tragic, but it was just quite funny, to be honest. What a way to become king, um, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. But, um, um, yeah, I, I, I suppose they, they have shown and they have now explained it, and it, it means that they can they can move on again. But I, I do get exactly what you're saying, that there is a bit of assumed knowledge in here but hopefully throughout you know they've got eight episodes so maybe they're leaving some stuff out with the intention that they can explain later and and sort of fill in the blanks for those that don't know and for those that do then it, it doesn't really spoil it for them yeah um just to try and argue the other side but i do i do agree with you that there is a bit now of this assumed knowledge that's going on in it i think if the show isn't that well known in the first place to put barriers to entry in there might cause it issues down the line. Yeah. If it hasn't caused it issues already. Um, yes. Yeah. So moving on to uh, Black Bolt's wife, Medusa, played by Sarinda Swan. Um, what did you think of her? Um, she seems like a very powerful and in control character. It, it's, <sighs> All of this can be broken down into sort of an episode one, episode two 
type thing. She seems to be very in control, very confident in the first episode. And by the second episode, you, you kind of have her on the on the back foot. She seems like she's had, well, you know, she's had her, her hair shaved. <laughs> However, it seems uh, all the all the power and commanding in there has just completely gone at the same time. Yeah. Um, it, it does seem like a very different character up until, I suppose, the end of the episode where she does sort of trick the um, the guard uh, and manages to get the upper hand over her. It does seem that she's on the back foot there without much of a plan. I, I, I'm not... I'm not too sure. I, I don't think it's a bad performance at all. I just, once again, I think it's a bit of the writing here that isn't quite gelling the way I think it should, but to describe. See, I would say that the performance was, well, maybe not bad, but more awkward because, well, there was nothing there to latch on to anyway. All you find out about her is that she's uh, a queen, uh, has come from humble beginnings, and she can control hair. That's her superpower. Um, that's not much to go on. And then the episode is very inconsistent with the kind of person she is. So she seems um, she seems quite ferocious in things when Maximus confronts her. And then she becomes quite meek. And then she's back to kind of being semi-strong again when on Earth. So, you know, there, there's no real consistency there. But I do get a sense of her relationship with Black Bolt, at least. You know, because they, they seem to have decent chemistry. Um, more so than anyone else, anyway. But I don't think she succeeds at injecting the regal authority into her performance that she really needs to. Yeah, she does have... When when she's performing with Black Bolt, she seems to be at her best. You do get a little bit of the background that she seems to be the only person that wasn't scared to go in and talk to him. Yeah. Uh, and see him after the, the incident. So, yeah, it's... I... I did like her performance to an extent but yeah like you say it, it seems it seems that the character has been written very bitsy she she is what they need her to be at that particular scene yeah and that can shift as <laughs> as quickly as the camera angle kind of thing it's it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future episodes yeah, I I, I, I'm going to say that a lot in this podcast. <laughs> I think it's like it's, it, I'm trying to judge it on on only two episodes, and it's it's very hard to to be fair to to the actors and the, and the writers at this point because it's, I'm, I'm maybe not giving it the fair shout that it should. Well, to be fair, if they haven't managed to establish their main things properly in the first two episodes, and you know the. They've kind of failed at creating a pilot, I think, because, mm. you know, it is important in the first episode to be like, here's our world, here's our characters, here's how it all works, and here's what upends it, and here's, you know, here's the premise of the show. And I don't think it necessarily manages to do that. And Medusa is a big reason, you know, why that doesn't quite work. I think she, yeah, as I said, she's inconsistent. And the fact that they remove one of her two defining traits or three defining traits from her by the end of the episode is, or by the middle of the episode really is, it's a bit of a mistake because now she's just this indefinable person who's stuck on Earth with no hair. And, you know, at least before she's like, yeah, she can control her hair. Yeah, and e- equally, it does seem that you know she's now a bit meek, walk- walking about the, the another fish out of water on Earth uh, without her powers essentially, and now 
I'm assuming going to conveniently find a newspaper article about this guy that's just been arrested <laughs> and is currently sitting in a jail, you know. I, I yeah, I I do think I think you're right. I think taking away sort of the defining factors of the character so early on kind of leaves it sitting there going, well, who is she? Uh, but I think there will be a a look into her background later on. She does know about a bus though. She knows what a bus is, which Made me laugh. You know, she's this queen of the moon, essentially, and she's like, "Where does this bus go?" It's like, "How do you know?" <laughs> she's lucky she found a. She's lucky she found a free tourist bus as well. I mean, you know, every every time I've been, uh, any time I've been over to the states, I know all the, all those tourist bus are all, buses are always free. They never ask you for like twenty dollars just to go two stops. It's well, it was uh, supposed to be free. She snuck on. She she quite clearly kind of tried right. to appear like part of the crowd. Even though she's wearing a cheap-looking well, purple dress. Well, good job there was an empty seat on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> just one. Empty I, I'm seat. sure I would remember that passenger getting on the bus. You know what I mean? <laughs> when, when you as the driver, you go, "I am pretty sure someone in a, a purple dress and wearing a lot of jewellery did not get on this bus earlier on." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah. So she's had a haircut, which is the big drama for the episode for Medusa. She's lost her hair. Which means that she can, uh, which means they can be quite cheap with her, with not showing her abilities for the next five or six episodes until she grows her hair back for the finale somehow. It was such yeah, an obvious money-saving measure. Growing well. powers. Yeah, she's like one of those. It, it does seem like one of those things that they are trying to to save a bit of money with different elements that they've done, the way that they've put it. Um, and and saving the CGI on Medusa's hair seems like one of the like you say the the really obvious steps yeah. that they've done. And I, I I do I do say this quite a lot with shows. It, it does then sort of put you in the sort of predictable bracket. We like well, she's got to learn how to grow her hair out of using her abilities, or it's you know there is going to be some MacGuffin-y thing that by the end she's grown hair. You know, she's going to walk past one a toy shop and she's going to see that you know that thing you put. Play-Doh inside, and when you press on it, it, it comes out all the little holes in the scalp. She's going to see that and be like, ah, that's how I do it. And then you'll have a montage of her just pressing on her skull, trying to make herself grow hair. That, that's my prediction. And if it doesn't come true, I'll be disappointed. Although I wonder if it's just the hair in her head. Yeah, that I mean, can you've got just you know, just putting that. Out. <laughs> I did ask this the other day. I was like, uh, you could, I think you know the comics better than me, so I did ask. Uh, you Strangely, know, strangely, it's... it's not ever come up. <laughs> I mean, I'm of course talking about her. Yeah, eyebrows. also her eyebrows, of course. <laughs> um, eyebrows, yes, yes, not 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 an armpit here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the hairs on the you know the hairs on the back of her hand uh, uh, or the the back on her you know on her arms that stand on end. She can't do much with them, but she can on the back of her or the back of her the back of her. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 dearie me. Um, I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be like an that'll episode be a, three, surely. You feel like um, that'd be a question that someone in Agents of Shield would ask, possibly Hunter, if he was standing. It would not. be one of those. It would be one of those like uh, two people sitting in the the sort of rec room after arresting Medusa, going, "I wonder if <laughs> <laughs> it would be." Yeah, who knows? Well, if uh, <laughs> this is this is the podcast that isn't afraid to ask these tough questions, although it's the podcast that can't answer them as well. 
for you know legal reasons. Um, so moving on to Karnak. answers on a postcard, please. <laughs> answers on a postcard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, moving on to Karnak, played by another name I'm about to butcher, Ken Lung, Leung, something like that. Uh, he was rubbish, for want of a better word. I can understand. I knew what his powers were in the comics. He's supposed to be able to sense the weakness and everything and exploit it. Just to, you know, um, I thought the acting was was terrible, or more like the direction of his acting was terrible. Any action scene he was involved in looked painfully slow, so it didn't work. I mean, I thought the whole idea of him being able to predict or test out scenarios in his head was that you know he would then. When he decides what he's going to do, it just happens like in the blink of an eye. But no, it was really slow and awkward. Um, his power breaks as soon as he hits his head. And then he walks in circles. And yeah, he was just rubbish. He, he does seem like a bit of a a bit of another weird character. And his powers also seem very undefined to people that are just sort of walking in. I mean, you get that scene where he's sort of trying out different moves. Now, you presume he's able to to do this all the time he's able to predict variables and what the outcome is likely to be and then at the moment when it would be best to analyze the situation and maybe not pick the sugarly rock to put your foot on while climbing down the hill he decides no i'm just going to go for it (laughs) ends up cracking his head i don't I, i it just seems a bit like oh yeah we've got this guy who's able to sort of not pre- quite predict the future, but to to work out what's what's best to do, and then he makes the shoddiest move of sort of leaping down the side of the cliff, um, and he's now going to be walking in circles until I, I presume he's then going to bump into Gorgon. <laughs> I, I I'm just going to assume that is that that's the pairing that's going to meet up. You're going to get Medusa and Black Bull back together, and then that pair are going to be united at some point. Yeah. Um, you know. We'll have the power of uh, unstable predictability and a very stompy hoof. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I didn't think he, the the character seems very. He wasn't given much to do in the first place. No, and then he seems to be another semi comic reliefy part at one point because he, you know you've got the meal round the table. And he he's making eyes at the waitress, and then he predicts what will happen when he goes out with the waitress. Yeah, you know I'll I'll be infatuated with you for two days. I will I, you know build up the courage to ask you out after three days. We'll go to dinner, and and then I'll notice that you've got a really wonky smile, and then it'll really <laughs> annoy me, and then we won't go out again. You know. It was like, I can't remember what the exact lining was. It was a bit funny seeing that, but then you, before that, you, you don't even know that's the character's powers. You're just thinking, <laughs> so they're doing this to a waitress. He's just in an the, ass. In the quarters, <laughs> it's another sort of privilege position. Yeah, yeah, the guy's just an ass. He's just he's just being a dick to this waitress, going, oh, you're making eyes at me. I would go out with you, and then I'd get fed up of you because you're ugly. Bye. <laughs> and then swans off. Yeah. So, I don't... Uh, yeah, I... He's not. He's definitely not won me over so far, but maybe he'll do something awesome in a future episode, and and that'll be it. But like you say, that the fight scene does seem a bit clunky. Um, but then a lot of the fight scenes have seemed a little bit not great. 
but yeah. I suppose I'm coming off the back end of watching the Defenders, which did have a couple of really good fight sequences, very fast paced, as much as it was a lot, a lot, a lot of punching and karate. Um, it was uh, or kung fu moves, I suppose. And this, yeah, it did seem not that great. But once again, I think it's another one of these um, big screen things, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Yeah, and as I said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., probably a a lower budget, and they managed to pull off really cool choreography quite often. Um, When you mentioned about him falling down and cracking his head, and I mentioned it as well, um, I was expecting that to be, you know, to cut back to him just standing at the top, planning his route down and being like, well, that won't work, that won't work, that won't work, you know. Um, But I suppose they need to establish that his power isn't working because that creates jeopardy, but it's kind of artificial jeopardy. And Even if it had been uh, him doing a a zip back each time going, nope, I fell and I cracked my head, nope, I fell and I cracked my head. If you had done it like five, six times, you'd seen him trying five, six different ways, you would go, well, the only way he was going to get down is if he cracked his head. And that would explain him taking the risk. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's iffy. And I had problems with his line delivery as well. As I mentioned, you know, his performance was just weird. It's like he was reading the lines but had no idea how they should come across. So they were just pretty passionless. So, like, you know, scenes where he's making jokes or trying to sound threatening, it just... It all sounds the same and it doesn't really work. And I'd, again, I think I blame the direction more than anything else, especially with the fight scenes, because this guy is a, you know, he's a, an accomplished martial artist on his own. So they're clearly not managing to bring that across as a production team. I agree. Um, I do think, I think it's it's something that impacts all the characters. I mean, uh, Gorgon is another example where it's, it's another sort of clunkily written or at least it is clunkily directed character, I think. He does seem like a bit of a badass and I think I will like him by the end of the series. Uh, I'm getting that feeling. But it's it, it's another one of those ones where you're sort of going, ah, and, and they're all related as well. They're all cousins. Yeah. Everyone's everyone is someone else's cousin. <laughs> They're all going Sorry. on. My cousin, yeah. my cousin, my cousin, my cousin. Hang on. It's like how many <laughs> Yeah, I get this as the royal family, but I'm beginning to get confused about how how the tree goes here. It's a very strange <laughs> family tree. But um, um Gorgon is uh, he's got hooves and I presume he can walk in space or was he wearing a spacesuit and his hooves when he, when he when he smashed the rover? That's a good question. Yes. A hooved space suit. Yeah. But when they show the video, it doesn't seem to be in a space suit. It just seems to be a hoof. But maybe they've developed some sort of shielding technology that they can wear rather than a, rather than a space suit. Yeah. Or they can just breathe on the moon. I don't know. Um, although that makes no sense because they are functionally humans, but they're not inhumans. But they're inhumans, but they're humans. So they still need yeah, to build roof and stuff. Yeah. I mean, he does almost drown, for instance. And the rover would have detected that. Yeah. Yes, until he's saved by his new surfer buddies. <laughs> um, that was the worst. <laughs> you know, you so know me. Bad. I'm. It's I. I don't. I don't understand the surfer dudes. It's 
<laughs> oh, a senator. God, we've seen so many of you, man. We are bored of this already. Oh, what are you? You're one of those inhuman guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got tons of them, mate. Tons of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you want to chill out and have some beers in front of the fire with us. Um, I Hang on. It's... You know, up up on the moon, they're preparing to wage war. And if they come down, and if they were all to land on that beach with the surfer dudes, they'd just be like, oh, come on in, have some beers. What are you doing? <laughs> Chill. You know, we've seen tons of you before. Oh, you've got wings and scales. Cool. And you come. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. It confuses me. It's like they're setting the whole thing up to be, oh, well, the humans are up against, you know, if, if we land, all the humans will revolt. I'm assuming this is going to be the two sides of the argument. There's humans that are like, we don't care. We don't mind. It's fine. You know, you know, variety is the spice of life kind of thing. And the others are going to be uh, sort of military sites going, no, 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 this is an invasion. Let's go. Let's go. But I just, yeah, I, I don't understand it kind of confused me i'm assuming there's going to be some sort of explanation later on where there's going to be a family member of the sufferers who's an inhuman or something and then that will explain it all and tie it up in a nice little bow but at the moment the surfers are preparing for battle i i don't <laughs> where, where do you find battle surfers i honestly think you're giving them too much credit uh, i don't think there's any kind of higher-minded purpose to the surfers at all. I think it's just literally, Gorgon needs to explain the plot to someone, might as well be these guys. And, you know, and it's all framed in that way. You've got this, oh, hey, guy with hoofs, uh, you must be one of those inhumans I've read about because, yeah, we come across these. Uh, please tell us what's going on. Please tell us everything in the plot and could you summarise it in a way that will possibly cater to a television audience that needs a catch-up right about now. And that's their role in the episode. And it was ridiculous, and it stuck out like a sore thumb. Or a sore hoof, or sore something. Um, I found Gorgon pretty problematic <laughs> as well. I think he was supposed to be a badass, but he's not really a badass. It just, you know, it just falls flat again. Just like everything else. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, the one... The character that I have probably some of the most problems with is Crystal, um, who, you know, we've talked about the group that are now trapped on Earth. Well, this is the one that's that's trapped up in the city, and I, I don't quite understand where they were aiming or what they are aiming with the character. I don't know what the age difference is supposed to be between her and Medusa. Uh, during the Tergenesis uh, Tergenesis ceremony you get the old Medusa where's your sister and I thought they were going to cut to either some rebel rebellious sister beating about the town being a nuisance or some young girl away with the fairies running about and playing and not being at the ceremony where she's supposed to be. And you kind of got neither. You you just sort of got her in this in this square, sort of standing there, as if, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, yeah, she's just ambling about in the courtyard. I, I don't quite understand. Yeah, yeah it was... Yeah. Because that scene was framed I, I as... I don't... know. Yeah, that scene was framed as, oh, oh, Medusa, where has your sister gotten off to now? And then, oh, she's just standing around. People are calling her princess, and then she comes back, and that was it. Um, and there's, yeah, it's so inconsistent throughout as well. Um, I found Isabel Cornish's performance, like, really awkward. Um, more, her more than others. I suppose it's because she had a bit more screen time than everyone else. 
because you know she's the one that gets down with the kids because she's the youngest. Um, but it's very difficult to to figure out what kind of person she's supposed to be, and I think she doesn't connect with the material as well. I keep saying that nobody connects with the material, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of themes going on here, but yeah, they don't. They do seem to be a bit disconnected from it. She. I, I mean, the fact that she is the sort of one point of contact up there now, or the one person who is on uh, Medusa and Black Bolt's side in the castle is going to give her a sort of pivotal role in this. And the fact that she's off to a shaky start, especially when she's been doing a lot of her performance against a Maximus that's been getting played quite well, yeah. it kind of shows her up a little bit more. Um you know the physical character wise is she a character I don't know much about in the comics I don't know is, is she in the comics at all or is yeah, this yeah, one um, they've sort of created yeah, a little bit for the show she's quite famous being for being uh, the human torch's girlfriend um in the comics for at least a lot at least a little while um she joined the fantastic 4 while sue was pregnant um and she is supposed to be this kind of naive youth you know that she's sheltered because she's lived amongst the humans for her whole life. So when the the whole world of the human race is blown open, she's fascinated by it all. And in some ways, you know, Johnny Storm, well, it doesn't quite take advantage of that. But you know, there's there's that weird undercurrent of the fact that yeah, she's never seen another man that she's not related to really. So like, yeah, are you exploiting that? I don't know. You know, but um, she grows up a bit. As time goes on, obviously, as, as she would have to. But, um, but my main memories of Crystal are this kind of naive and gentle girl, you know. Um, and this version was just—I don't know what the hell she was. Yeah, she's—I don't know. I'm, I'm, my hope is that it, that this, like like the other characters as well, like it picks up slightly. I hope, but you know, it's not a good excuse for the first two episodes for the characters to be a bit clunky. I mean, my my favourite character we haven't talked about yet. Um, yes, the it's the, it's an obvious one. I think he's probably your favourite character as well. The one character they nail is is Lockjaw. He's he looks like a giant bulldog, uh, and he teleports, and he's a dog. So was he a dog that went through Terragenesis? I'm not sure. Uh, I I have no idea of the origins of Lockjaw, but he's either, my favourite character. I want a massive dog that can teleport me. Yeah, and there was uh, <laughs> the fact that I, you know, and they got rid of him pretty quickly, you know, because he's expensive. Unfortunately, that did seem like another one of the the cost saving measures of let's incapacitate the dog and just have stock footage of him sleeping for the rest of the series <laughs> until you know episode the end of episode 7 where he will somehow be broken free and he will bring Medusa Black Bolt and uh, the, the assembled party back to the moon um, it does seem that element <laughs> yeah um, I, I don't know it's it's I I I like it. I I would just like a massive teleporting bulldog so that I could get to work quicker in the morning. I could have more time in bed. If I wanted to go on holiday, it would be a lot quicker. None of this sort of travelling to the airport nonsense. So yeah, of course, yeah, it, it'd be great. Um, I'm reading his biography. Lockjaw was born in the island of Atalan, so there's no explanation over whether he was a normal bulldog that went through Terragenesis or not. Yeah, uh, he's. The species is he's an inhuman bulldog, apparently. But 
So is there an entire race of them? What are the implications of this? Is he the last of his kind? Which is kind of upsetting if he is. But he's cool. He's brilliant. And he seems to be asleep for the next five or so episodes. They'll just keep cutting back to that same stock footage of him sleeping. Yeah, I do have the feeling that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, But other than that, awesome. And he was very obedient as well. Although, for some reason, he decides to teleport each other, everyone to a fair distance from one another, but still on the same island. So that's interesting. Although, I wonder if he was going to the same spot and the rotation of the Earth was throwing him off. That's my theory. Could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the characters, and they all feed into the story in, in some way or another. Um... I mean, the, the the coup story isn't as strong as it should be, isn't as strong as it could be, and the characters need a lot of work. Uh, I mean, you know, the the, the joke about Lockjaw notwithstanding, uh, I mean, he is my favourite of the bunch, but there aren't any of them that I feel particularly invested in over the next few episodes. Um, so that that's going to be a problem. They haven't done a good job of establishing why the Inhumans should... The, the human royal family should thrive or survive or uh, get out of this mess. So that's a problem. The, they've kind of failed to centrally establish their premise. And there does seem to be, in my, in my point of view, at the moment you're sort of looking and going, well, it does seem very unfair. It does seem that this group are living a, a life privilege and this other are toiling down the mines um, with no option to get out. Once you're down the mines, that's it. You've got no no way out. That's it. That's your life now. Um, I so at the moment I'm kind of like, well, that regime's got to change. So uh, you know, <laughs> if if the the royal family are supposed to be our protagonists, then I'm kind of sitting there thinking, um, well, I kind of don't want them to succeed. Then I, I, I want revolt. I don't want Earth invaded, but I do want you know change. So I'm assuming their time on Earth is going to change their points of view. And you know, there, there's going to be a nice, lovely solution by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Is either that or they're going to go back and rule with an even tighter iron fist to stop this uh, happening again in the future? I don't know. <laughs> or Yes, they, they come back and uh, Medusa says, Black Bolt has decreed that we are now a constitutional democracy. Everyone out of the mines. We will we'll only send people into the mines who want to work in the mines. Uh, which is, oh, no one. Oh, no, society collapses. Problems, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Plus, you know, speaking of, well, speaking from where we come from, we come from, you know, we come from a place where there is a monarchy and they are heralded as being above us in society in terms of privilege and stuff like that. And I mean, uh, without going too much into my politics, um, that's not something I necessarily agree with. I'm more a equal opportunity sort of guy. So I reject the, the notion that people are born better than others. Um, so that that makes it harder for me to latch on to as well. I neither agree nor disagree with Craig's comments. Please don't uh, have me hung, drawn and quartered or sent to the tower. Thank you. The, the opinions on this podcast are purely the uh, <laughs> purely those of, of those involved and don't represent the organisation of Neil Before Blog yeah. as a whole. Yeah, no. Uh, can, can, can you podcast from the, your chambers at the Tower of London, Craig? Yeah, you'd be surprised. The Wi-Fi is amazing. Plus, uh, <laughs> plus, you know, three different copies of The Doctor occasionally run in. So that's handy. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know what am I even saying, but the, the, yeah, the idea of royalty is always going to be a difficult one. So if the royal family are going to be your protagonists, then the idea that they are somehow better than those beneath them in the social classes it's a difficult sell and I don't think they sell it I don't think they you know that not that there's a lack of humility but there's also there's they don't explore the fact that these people might be humble in some way it's like the idea you know they just seem to accept the fact that people are beneath them and they're okay with it so yeah their time on earth has to help them see things differently I suppose the idea that you know people people arise through society on earth through achievement at least to some degree rather than birthright I suppose would be the other option although there are birthright stuff because mm-hmm. that's a separate issue yeah. and Medusa would be a good one to do that because she came from that other side of the coin she understood what it was like to be lesser in society until she married Black Bolt and then suddenly she was went from being bottom of the food chain to top of the food chain Crystal as well So and I yeah. thought <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it, you, you do get the, rhyme, the line from Maximus saying, uh, have you not forgotten uh, where you came from? And I suppose that is what Medusa's time on Earth is. It, is. it is resembling, I think the more and more we discuss it, the more it is resembling for, where, mm-hmm. you know, by being on Earth, they're going to experience a different kind of life. And... Uh, at this point, they're then going to go back, a changed person, going, ah, well, I have learnt the error of my ways. Like you say, we're now a democracy, and everyone can come out of the mines because we're now going to use our teleporting dog to bring up all the resources we need from Earth without distributing the city to school. There you go. Everyone's happy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, who knows? Uh, next six episodes might be, might be much better now that they've established nothing. They can start establishing something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say about story and characters. I think we've just covered all the bases and repeated all the bases. So, so on to visuals. Uh, Atalan was pretty pretty impressive visually. Um, obviously, it's not again. It's not Age of Ultron style presentation. You know, it's not the same as one of your big two hundred million dollar tentpole Marvel movies. It's a TV show that's been blown up for IMAX and filmed in IMAX, but at the end of the day, still a TV show. Looks impressive enough. The CGI on the hair works for me. Uh, you don't see it for much. Lockjaw looks really good. Uh, the action scenes are crap, but, um, you know, visually it's it's well designed. Some of the costume is a bit off. Uh, whereas Crystal's costume is really good, really comic accurate. Medusa's looks weird, and Black Bolt just looks like something you would see on X-Men, the movies. The early movies. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think the early effect shots you get uh, showing uh, the city and when it sort of pans from the, the destroyed rover and you see the crater and then it zooms out on Earth and everything, I think is, is pretty neat. The layout of the city, it's an interesting take on it. It, it is, you know, literal levels. A bit like, uh, to be honest, a bit like um, we're both in Edinburgh another city where the, the, the posh lived above the poor. You know, yeah. you literally go down levels in Edinburgh and it gets deeper and darker and more miserable the further down you go, especially <laughs> when you look at it, you know, in the past. Yeah. You know, it's, it was people were living in caves underneath the city that was above, you know, and you could do tours of it. It's, it's brutal the way it's built up and it is, you know, similar in that way. Um, 
if if anything, it's a slightly glossier on the moon. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, but yeah, it's um, the CGI for Lockjaw looked good. The CGI for Medusa's hair looked pretty impressive at the beginning. However, there was a couple of very clunky effect shots a little bit later on, and they kind of they've solved the problem with that CGI. Um, <laughs> You know, later it's and a lot of the ones that they have left on Earth with their powers are not too special effects heavy, so that should save them. I like the idea of it being in Hawaii on a you know on a nice uh, tropical island. It's a nice different setting. It wasn't like dropping them into the middle of New York, yeah. which is good. You know, it's it's nice for a little change. You know, after seeing lots of the Marvel stuff being sort of New York or Boston or whatever. Don't get me wrong; it's still going to have a lot of city scenes in it, but you know, it makes a pleasant change that visually. But it's people with Hawaiian shirts, and that's where it's different. It's yes, an, it's an important <laughs> surfboards and Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> yeah, it's an important difference. I really liked Lockjaw's teleport effect. That just the way you know they sort of uh, they're almost torn apart and reassembled. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, visually, so it's fine. It looks like a TV show. It looks, you know, the, the production value resembles. I'm going to keep saying this. It resembles Agents of Shield. You know, they have this similar resources. So what you get is you get the big effect shot in an episode, so to speak, and then not much else, which is fine because um, it isn't a two hundred million dollar film. So you know, manage your expectations in that regard. Although, uh, I do think they could have used IMAX a bit better. If you're putting your pilot in IMAX, give us a decent bit of spectacle to justify it, rather than just, this could easily be shown on TV with a TV budget, and people would be underwhelmed with that, you know. If you're going to do introduce your TV show in IMAX, give it something to really pop. You know, something that can be like, yeah, okay, now I see why you've done this. I think that's where I may have stepped wrong in this, by going to see it at IMAX. As much as it was nice seeing it on a big screen and everything, I think it it amplified some of the flaws to me seeing it in a cinema setting. Because when you sit in a cinema seat, in a, in a proper cinema, and you're sitting there, you're expecting cinema-style stuff. Even if you know in your head, you're like, I'm watching a TV show, I'm watching a TV show. On the screen, you're watching a movie. It is that size. And I think... This is where it, it kind of fell apart a little bit. It does have effect shots and it does have action. However, it's very, it's very small TV scale because that's what it's intended to go on in the end, which makes the decision to put it on IMAX a bit strange. A uh, uh, cinema release, maybe, but IMAX? Why? You know, there, yes, there are some big wide shots of the island. There's some. You know, the big sort of sweeping shots coming from the moon going over to the Earth are pretty impressive. But at the end of the day, that's like two, three, four shots maybe out of two episodes worth. And I would have thought if they went, do you know what this needs to to launch it? This needs to be shown on IMAX because look at the spectacle. However, the spectacle to an extent wasn't there. Yeah. And it, I, I, I think that that is kind of amplified my disappointment in it slightly. Whereas if I'd watched this on telly, I might not have been as down on it as I am. I think it's kind of blown it out, out, you know, blown it IMAX big for me. How much <laughs> I didn't enjoy some of the stuff in these opening episodes. 
Yeah, I get the feeling that shot you were talking about, you know, zooming into the moon and zooming in between the moon and Earth and all that stuff. I get the feeling that that stock footage that will be used in, the, you know, the coming episodes, um, it's a bit like with, yes. uh, you know, when in the pilot for, for instance, comes straight to mind, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, how you get to see the Enterprise from every conceivable angle because they paid ILM to do the effects for the pilot and they needed stock footage to go for the next seven years, you know. So, so you've got footage of the Enterprise flying through space for seven years, you know, things like that. So, um, they spend a bit more money there. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that those same tracking shots of the moon appear in the the coming episodes, which is fine. It's a TV show, you know. Like we both watch The Flash, and how many times have we seen repetition of his running effect? Um, because you know it's just cheaper to use the one that already works. That already looks good. It's fine. Mm. Yeah, I, I do think there's going to be a lot of a reused stuff in there, and it just, I, 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 I hope that it improves somewhat. But it does seem like a lot of the decisions in these opening episodes have been made so that they can make it cheaper in future episodes. Uh, oh, you know, for all the middle episodes up until the final, we're not going to have this character, that character. We're not going to have Medusa's hair. We're not going to have. You know, they seem to just be going down the list of what shots here are very expensive, what are the things that cost too much to put on screen. And I have the feeling that if you didn't want to do that, then why would you pick this as a TV show? Why yeah. Why would you pick it as a, a thing? If, if, you, if you're not going to commit the budget to it, then, then how are you going to do it? And it's going to be a, a similar problem that um, a lot of the sort of uh, X-Men universe-based TV shows that are sort of popping up are going to have down the line. Yeah. Um, with effect shots of humans, I mean, you, you you have a lot of heroes that at the moment are not particularly heroic or jumping about doing anything. So, you know, it's it's almost like, despite the fact we've kind of watched two episodes, we're still waiting for it to kick in. Yeah. Because the only, the only stakes and the only sort of big push that we've got at the moment is to get them back on the throne. And at the moment... I don't think either of us are convinced that the pair of them should be sitting on the throne. So it's, it's you're you're sitting thinking, well, what 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 am I watching for? There's not a there is a villain, but the villain hasn't been too brutal up until now, apart from the fact he wants to kill the people that were previously on the throne. However, however, all the subjects are still going about their business and appear to be all right with it at the moment. Yeah. You know, I'm assuming that's going to change at some point so that we swing more in the uh, Black Bolt and Medusa's favour. But, you know, I'd, 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 yeah, I'm finding it difficult to kind of describe what I'm I'm disappointed about today. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I think it's um, a quarter of the way through the series. I feel like there should be more momentum than there is and there isn't very much at the moment. But I will keep watching because I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, I'll watch the other six, I'll review the other six, and I will see what I think. Um, I think there is a good story in there, I just don't think it's quite there yet. Uh, I don't know. So, just quickly, um, obviously this is part of the the ever-growing Marvel Cinematic Universe, this thing that is so big that I can barely keep up with it, and I love this stuff. Um, there is very little to connect it to the rest of the MCU at this point. There are some references to humans appearing across the globe, um, which does sort of reference Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., sort of, 
um, because it doesn't explain. It talks about contaminating the water supply as well. Something has contaminated their water supply, you know, or or their uh, fish oil supply, of course. Yeah, there's there's very limited um, scenes. I mean, I wasn't paying enough attention to it. There wasn't anything that was very obvious and jumped out at me. There was a couple of scenes where they're looking at TV screens, and I'm going to assume I wasn't quick enough to catch or I didn't spot some of the stuff on the TV screens. Um, and it seems to tie a little bit with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, you know, to be fair to them, they've kind of got to um, tie in a bit because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did a, a whole season pretty much dedicated to Inhumans and the discovery of Inhumans. Yeah, although interestingly, they seem to just come up with a name on their own in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, in this show, they identify as Inhumans and they've always identified as Inhumans. So, I don't mm. know. Um, it's a minor niggle, that's nitpicking, whatever. It's a big universe, it's hard to keep track of everything. Uh, the people producing the show probably didn't even watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., let's be honest. But uh, the showrunner did say he's open to a crossover at some point. So that could happen. You know, yay, I think. Maybe. You'd yeah. think it would be worthwhile them doing a, a, token, a token crossover or a token character popping up. or It, it, it would make sense almost to have them both trying to find the same inhuman at some point or yeah i, I don't know it, it's it's something that they could definitely tie in i'm not expecting any grand overture to the to the main mcu i might be surprised but i think you know i, I was chatting about this the other day to someone probably yourself the 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 sort of film universe or the TV universe seem to to grow slightly distant all the time, with only sort of fleeting mentions and odd bits and pieces turning up. It might be the logo on a truck or yeah. on a box or in the background or something that sort of ties it all in. But I, I don't think you're wanting everything to be crashing too far together. No, no, definitely not. Um, just some kind of hint here and there is enough for me usually. Um, just. They might delve more into why are these Inhumans coming up, you know, apart from the fact they're in these fish oil tablets, which, you know, amuses me no end. It's like, uh, you know, it's almost like they're, uh, you mean they're using fish oil tablets to become Inhumans? It's like, oh, the Inhumanity. Um, I don't know, that was a bad joke. But, I don't know, it's because the thing about Terragenesis is it's established both in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and in here that it's a sacred thing. You know, it's something that, that is, is it earned? I mean, it's not clear in this actually whether people have to earn it on Atalan or not, or whether they just achieve it at a certain age or whatever. But the, the idea is it's definitely a sacred thing that happens. So the idea that people are kind of accidentally becoming inhuman without being prepared for it could be quite offensive to them. And you saw from the splintered group of Inhumans in Season 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, Season 2. Um, mm. You know, when you... Is it three? Yeah, it's 2. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But when you see the splinter group of Inhumans at the end of that season, um, the idea is that they are offended by the fact that humans are, you know, terrogenesising earlier than they should be. Or when they haven't earned it or whatever. So. Yeah. 
I mean, it seems like something that they, they will touch on later. I mean, there was a fleeting mention of it, and I thought it would have had more of an impact, because you do get the impression in Agency Shield that this is a sort of sacrilege, that people people wait years and years and, and study and then get approved to go through the whole process. And now it's it's just happening willy-nilly to anyone that's got these fish oil tablets or, uh, you know, eating any of the fish that have come out from that that particular area so right. yeah I, I i don't know if it's something that is earned you you don't know you've only seen the ceremony so far you've not seen the choosing and they've mentioned this genetic council so many times yeah. that I, i'm assuming they're going to delve more into that later as well yeah but i don't know uh there's still six episodes i'm cautiously optimistic uh apparently there are extra scenes in the television aired version whenever that comes on no it comes on like the 29th of september i believe um yes friday the 29th of september it airs on abc um and there's gonna be extra scenes that means i'll probably watch this again just when it comes on tv just to just to see how it holds up on a second viewing you know i'm not paying to go see it again but uh i will watch it when it's when it's available to be watched you know i'll book my flights now go over to the u.s and watch it there must be a cheaper way for you to do that. <laughs> maybe maybe by um, calling on your trusty hound. That's it. My teleporting dog means that I'll never miss television ever again. Maybe there's a teleporting cat and it takes you wherever it wants. You know, you never go where you want to go. It just takes you wherever. Or nowhere. Probably <laughs> nowhere. So, yeah. Um, I don't really have much else to add about Inhumans. I think, uh, I think we've, we've savaged it enough. Uh, for one night certainly and we can maybe do another another round up when the season finishes just to see how they pull this thing off yeah it will it will be interesting to find out i mean i'm having a look at the moment and there's no uk broadcaster for it yet and seeing how the reviews and things have gone following its imax release i don't know whether a a broadcaster's been sitting going we'll just wait and see what the critics say and if it gets panned (laughs) i don't think it's gonna is gonna get picked up so there might be a lot of people on that plane you might need to book your seats early craig that's it well based on the imax turnout i think i'll be okay yeah i'll be us us and the six other people Uh. (laughs) yeah yeah uh yeah 29th of september so that's um that's that essentially uh do you have anything else to close off on i want a teleporting dog i also want a teleporting dog although walking it would be a nightmare (laughs) that's what i'm gonna leave us on (laughs) so as always thanks for coming live from the moon judging by the the time delay that we seem to have been experiencing you must be on the moon or i must be on the moon the time delay is terrible you're right (laughs) So, thank you for joining. (laughs) Thank you. Cheers, mate. So, that was our discussion of Marvel's The Inhumans. Thanks to YouTuber nstens1117 for the supplied music. As always, if you like what you heard, then please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And please join us on the next Kneel Before Pod. (laughs) 